Okay. Hello. Welcome to episode three of the podcast. Uh, gosh. It's a rough start, but I got to rush into it. I got to rush into this. Actually, no, let's just keep going with it. Okay. So today is December 9th. I know that because yesterday was my birthday. This is future me. I was wrong. I recorded that in February. It was February 9th. I don't know why I said it was December, especially because I was talking about my birthday. And I don't know why I thought my birthday was December 8th when I've known my whole life that it's February 8th. So I just needed to correct myself so you know that this was in February. Um, yeah, let's get back to that. Sorry. I turned 25 yesterday, officially. Um, and I almost wanted to talk about that on the podcast, like talk about turning 25, like aging, all that stuff, because I want to try to do more fun topics and more light topics and things that more people can maybe relate to. But I kind of changed my mind last minute today because I was listening to the radio and my favorite radio show I mean, one of my favorites is the Von Hessler Doctrine. I'll link the Spotify podcast version of this in the YouTube description box. Um, I love that radio show because they're fun, but also they sometimes talk about like pop culture, but also like politics and stuff like that. The main guy, Eric Von Hessler, he's like the host um, but there's other people on the show. Um, he is a libertarian, but he talks a lot about these different topics. And um, I just always love hearing what he has to say about things. And he has been talking a lot in the last couple months about the Twitter files and all of um, like the info that's been coming out about are U.S. intelligence agencies being involved in social media stuff and censorship and, you know, messing with, I don't know, the big problem is that any kind of interference or discussion between our intelligence agencies like the FBI and all of that, um, they get involved with election stuff. And that's a problem. Our intelligence agencies shouldn't be interfering with information and things like that being shared, um, especially related to elections and our democratic, you know, system. Um, so I thought maybe I could try to get into the Twitter files thing, but I want to try to do it by actually reading through these Twitter files myself and then bringing to you whatever information I learned from that. Because the big thing that I heard on the Von Hessler Doctrine weeks ago um, was Eric was talking about how with the Hunter Biden laptop thing, which people say is like a nothing burger and like who cares about the Hunter Biden laptop, like it's not that big of a deal. And all this stuff. And yeah, sure, because the stuff that was actually on the laptop is not that big of a deal. It's like inappropriate, like sex videos and, and nude photos and communications with like 
prostitutes and stuff and then using drugs and all that. So like really who cares about that? Um, but there is some interesting sketchy stuff with the whole Ukraine, you know, stuff like Hunter Biden was doing something with Ukraine. Uh, even going back to, I think, the Obama administration. But I don't know all the info on that. But Eric on the radio was talking about how the FBI had told social media platforms to watch out for certain kinds of information that could come out during the 2020 kind of election time and that some of this information might be Russian disinformation because they always say that Russia is trying to interfere with our elections. From what I've heard, there is not any proof that Russia has actually interfered in our elections. And one of the things in the Twitter files is that there was a whole effort on Twitter to seek out or to search for Russian bots on Twitter and shut down those accounts because those bots apparently were going to mess with our election. But apparently these bots turned out to not be Russian bots that were shut down. A lot of them were conservative actual people being shut down on Twitter. And it was claimed that they were Russian bots. But I haven't gotten to that part in the Twitter files. I want to read through this myself because this is what I've heard. But I want to read through it myself and figure out like, I need to see if I can even understand it, first of all. And it's a lot. Today, I read through part one of the Twitter files. And it's a lot. So I'll try to bring you whatever information I get from it that I can condense down into episodes. But this is the thing that I don't know what's up with the, you know, Ukraine, Russia stuff that our government is involved in. Uh, but there's some, there's some stuff that maybe as citizens, we don't understand about how involved our government has been in the Russia, Ukraine stuff going back even to Obama. Like this stuff has been building for a long time, how it relates to the current war, I can't really articulate right now because I don't know fully how to say it or even all the information, but I know that there's something. Um, so anyway, there's the claim that there's Russian disinformation. So people within Twitter wanted to censor all that. So there's that, but I haven't gotten to that part yet. All I know right now is I started looking into the part about the Hunter Biden laptop, because Eric Von Hessler said that our FBI had knew about the laptop early on. They found out about the laptop before it hit the news, before, before it hit the media. And they told social media platforms to look out for certain things that could be Russian disinformation. And they mentioned the Hunter Biden laptop as a, um, what is it? Like a theoretical situation that could happen. Like, I don't know exactly what they said, but let's say there's these representatives, whoever's talking of the, from the FBI is talking to like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all this stuff. And they say, so 
there could be a situation, like this is just a scenario that let's say this happens, theoretically, what would you do in this situation if this Russian story happened where they claimed that Hunter Biden left a laptop and it had all this information on it? What would you do as Twitter? What would you do? And they said, like, we'll censor it. We will suppress any kind of disinformation or Russian stuff trying to mess with the election. Because this laptop stuff happened in 2020 before the election. So that's what I heard from the radio. And so today I kind of just wanted to look into it because they were talking today on the radio about other stuff that came from the Twitter files. And the big concern that Eric talks about is that it's kind of a crazy scandal about how involved our intelligence agencies are in all of this stuff and that the main uh, mainstream media is not talking about this. They don't want to touch the Twitter files because they, they don't like Elon Musk. They don't like the stuff that's going on with the Twitter because it, it's seen as dangerous. It's seen as like trying to stir up stuff and that some of it could be misinformation. It's not, it's not um, verified and it's just Elon Musk trying to do all this crazy stuff. But I mean, I don't know. They found a bunch of stuff in the records at Twitter when they bought Twitter. And there were always rumors about, um, you know, shadow banning and things like that on in Twitter. And it's turned out that that's true. They verified in the emails and the records and everything that it was true that they were shadow banning people, shadow banning politicians, uh, celebrities, political um, like commentators, stuff like that, everyday people, um, based on, you know, tweets that they made or whatever, and even having tweets taken down. Um, so I kind of thought I could just maybe go through this a little bit since nobody's really talking about it. And I have been thinking so much lately because of this, because I heard about this and that it's coming out about our government. That's what bothers me the most. I don't think that the Twitter people were all like politically biased in what they were doing. I think a lot of them were just doing their job and they weren't really sure how much they were supposed to censor or not. Um, like they did some bad stuff, but they're not politicians. They're not in the government. They were just trying to navigate this weird new world that we're in. But it's not okay when our government is this corrupt. That's the thing. That's what I've figured out, that a lot of this stuff is like deeply corrupt. And another part of it, to me, that's not really corruption, but just idiocy is the um, management of like our money and our economy. And it really bothers me. And I, I keep mentioning this in each episode and saying that I'm going to talk about it. But I don't think I need to really talk about it a lot. But all I can say is when they talked about a couple weeks that we hit the debt ceiling, I, I always knew that we had a huge debt in the U.S. We all know that. Um, but I don't think that I, I didn't know what that really meant. 
I knew it was bad that we were had such a high debt, but it was always said that it was like debt to China and stuff and to other countries. But another thing, I get a lot of information from the Von Hessler Doctrine, okay, because they also have this guy come on and talk about the economy and stuff. Like, this is a legit radio show, okay? Um, so they're, like, supposed to be, there's, like, the regulations or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, so um, they were talking about that the debt, what it actually is, is it's, a lot of it is we're in debt to ourselves, and the US. So the way I think of it is like when you have a credit card and you charge on the credit card, right? But the credit card, it's your credit card. And yes, it's debt to the bank, but you're managing that. That's your credit. That's your debt. And um, when you spend your money on a credit card, it's not actual money. It's you're just putting yourself more into debt and then the plan is to pay that off, right? And you do hit your own debt ceiling where your credit card um, reaches its limit and all this stuff. So it turns out that the U.S. government is not just in debt to China and all these other countries. It's also just in debt to itself because they spend more money than there actually is. Um, and our gov government can print money. A lot of the reason that we are having so much inflation right now is because the government printed a lot of money during the um, lockdown era. They printed a lot of money because they wanted to give a lot of money out to people who couldn't work and all this stuff because of lockdowns. So now we're, we have a lot of inflation, which everybody said that it would happen. Everybody said, you print a bunch of money, you're going to have inflation. That's how that works. We've seen it happen before and around the world in different countries. That's how that works. But I think the reason that our country gets away with this a lot with printing money is because we kind of have the main currency of the world. The US dollar is like the standard and other countries base their um, monetary like system or value or whatever on the US dollar. And it's very much like related to gas prices and oil. So oil around the country, like I think Saudi Arabia uses basically the US dollar as the base um, for pricing of oil and stuff like that. And maybe Russia too. Like the US dollar is just like, think of that, that's the main currency of the world that it's all, the system's all like connected to. So we... Hard. This is hard to explain, and I'm no economist or anything. This is just stuff that I've heard from people who know what they're talking about, and this is what I got from it. Um, so we are no longer based on the gold standard. Um, so we are based on the U.S. dollar standard. That's the best way for me to explain it from my understanding. We, our U.S. dollar, the value of it is no longer based on gold. So there's actually no real value. It's just the value that we believe that it has. So we believe that the US dollar has a certain value. And that's what keeps it, you know, standing. Because as soon as you realize there's not actually a value, technically, then there's no value to the US dollar. There's nothing to base it on. 
and the rest of the world sees value in the US dollar. So us as Americans and the rest of the world, the US dollar represents what it does because we all believe that it has a value. A big concern with the economy that will happen in the future is that um, if it becomes that the US dollar is no longer considered the strongest and uh, standard currency globally, then we could totally crash. Total crash, horrible depression, like inflation, like crazy. I don't know. Try to do some research on how to better understand this probably because I'm trying to go through this, just run through this real quick. Um, they talked about on the radio that it's been okay for all this time because the US dollar is the main standard. But lately, China has been using their currency and is trying to gain some influence with that and create that as a new competing standard. Does that make sense? Uh, I could have some wording wrong, but I'm trying to get the main idea across, I think. So anyway, I think that it is Saudi Arabia that is actually starting to work with China on using their currency with oil. Um, so there is a potential competing uh, currency from China that will be probably creating some problems in the next couple decades. And if China became the main uh, currency, like China, China's dollar, I don't remember. Is I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'll just Google it. China's currency. That, see, I don't know if I got the words right. Let's see. The yuan. The yuan. I hope I'm saying that right. So anyway... Our economy is already struggling right now with like potential recession and then um, like our inflation and all of that and just, and the job market right now is kind of okay because there are a lot of jobs that have started popping up and people are getting jobs and that sounds like a good sign, but I heard today that that can kind of, that actually is a bad sign for inflation because in order to reduce inflation, you kind of need to have people not working because something needs to happen that will stop the spending. I don't know, because what's going to happen is that the uh, federal bank, I think, just has to keep raising interest rates or something like that in order to try to stop the inflation because people aren't stopping their spending, I think, fast enough. Like we're not having that big dip quick enough. So I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm trying to pay attention and see if and when a possible recession starts or what that means. But as of right now, I think people aren't sure what, what's going to happen, but we'll just have to see. So that's the current thing. But the problem that could happen way down the line is that just the US dollar could become worthless. Um, it's kind of like Another thing that Eric says is it's kind of like cryptocurrency, like with that Sam Bankman Freed thing and um, that company, I don't remember, where basically they had all these people invested in the cryptocurrency, but then 
the money that people were investing totally disappeared and they're trying to investigate where all this money went. The whole company has gone bankrupt and this Bankman Freed guy is uh, going to be on trial. I don't know. So the whole thing is that like the cryptocurrency was seen as valuable and then people invested all this money in it. The money disappears. And the way that Eric explains it, it's like the there's a vault and there's like apparently money in there. And then you open the vault and you bring your flashlight in and it turns out there's nothing in there. There is nothing. There's no money. There's no value at all. And it's just, that's it. And the problem with the US dollar is that it could become at some point, we uh, turn the lights on and realize there's nothing there. And we already just were spending money on debt. We are so in debt that any money spent is just debt. We're just putting more money onto the credit card, putting more charges onto the credit card. And there's no plan to reduce the debt. No plan. There's no plan to reduce the debt. And even if they try to implement things, it's not going to make a big enough difference. We are so in debt. There's nothing we can do. And people think, well, since it's our debt, we're in debt to ourselves, then why don't we just like wipe out the debt? Why don't we just like pretend like the debt doesn't exist? But I think the reason you can't do that is because all this stuff like is because of a lot of government like things in place where there's money being given out, money like every like government entity or like funding, all this stuff, like the money's moving around. Like there's not money just sitting somewhere as the government's money. It's moving around. It's going to like social security. It's going to um, anything you can think of that the government is spending money on, anything. So you can't just flip the system upside down, cancel debt, mess with like the reality of the actual financial situation. I hope that I explained that well enough. But that's why I keep mentioning the economy and all that stuff. Because when I heard all these things and I heard about the Twitter files and the FBI corruption stuff, I started to realize how like much BS is in our government, I think. And I know politicians are just kind of known as liars and... That was already a thing. I always get out of breath when I'm doing these episodes and I don't want to sound so ranty. I don't want to sound so heated about this stuff, but I don't know. I, I, I get very energetic about it and I really do want to talk about more chill things, but some of these things just come up in my head and I feel like I need to talk about them and I don't really have, I maybe can do 30 more minutes maybe 15, 20 minutes to try to get through this Twitter files part one, but we'll see how far we get. I just wanted to say that about like the fact that our government has mismanaged our money so badly for so long. It's not even like we have presidents for like four years, maybe eight, if they get a second term. Oops, <sighs> drop my papers. And people want to blame presidents all the time for problems, but like this debt has been building for a long time. And apparently we had a pretty high debt before the internet was created. So I don't remember when that was. I don't know what the years were for that, but we had a pretty high debt, right? 
But then when the internet was created, it, it started this whole new world of jobs and a new economy, um, all just through like, well, the internet and stuff like that. So all of a sudden it boosted the economy and they were able to pay the debt down a lot. Okay. So the debt was pretty paid down back then at the early times of the internet. But then after whatever that time is, and I could Google it, but I don't have time. Whenever that time happened, and then ever since then, the debt has just been getting higher and higher and higher, and no administration is handling it and tackling it. So it's not even political left or right. It's like, this is a problem. I am not okay with it for my government to do this. And there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. They do not handle our money well, period. That's at least my understanding. So... I, I just, I'm trying to like think about this stuff and try to hold the government accountable for these things. And there's not much I can do, but at least we can talk about it so that people can understand this, you know? And I know a lot of people started to understand this when they started talking about the debt ceiling a couple of weeks ago. And the whole thing is they're just going to raise the debt ceiling because they don't have a choice because they can't leave everybody hanging without the money that, you know, the government gives to any different place. Anywhere where the government is putting money, you can't just stop it. And to not raise the debt ceiling would mean you just freeze everything and no money any like comes out anymore. So they can't do that. They have to raise the debt ceiling. But I think everyone's like aware now that, oh my God. You people are horrible with the money and we are just, there's nothing we can do. They just have us in crazy debt and they're just going to raise the debt ceiling and they're never going to bring it down. They're never going to bring the debt down. Not enough. It's so much money. The only thing that's going to flip all this upside down and probably start everything over is whenever we have the huge crash of our economy. And it will probably be a bigger depression that was in the thirties. Like it's going to be, so I don't know if that will happen in my lifetime. It's not going to happen right away. It, it'll be a while, but that's the prediction of what could happen because that's just, you know, when you don't handle things correctly, eventually it's going to explode. You can't just keep going forever. So, okay, let's try for like 15 minutes, maybe let's see if I can go through this because I want to talk about this um, Twitter files a little bit because it's a part of like what we should be aware of, of what our government is doing. So it's not just Twitter, it's our intelligence agencies. And that's not what I'm going to be able to get into in this first part, because the part one of the Twitter files is really just the Hunter Biden laptop thing. And then I think in like part three or four, it gets into the involvement from the FBI. So this is just the kind of initial event of when the Hunter Biden laptop came out. Now, if this part gets boring to people, then like, that's all right. Just come back for the next episode. Um, Cause this, I'm just going to be literally reading all, pretty much all the tweets. I like wrote down a lot of this stuff from this guy's tweets, Matt Taibbi, who, who sharing the, 
Twitter files through tweets. And this was back in December, like December 8th or something that this part one was shared. Um, but let me just see if we can get into this. I'm just gonna be reading my notes. Oh, camera. Okay, we're good. <laughs> okay, so this is the first thread of the Twitter files. Um, okay, so the first restrictions on Twitter began as a way to combat spam and financial fraudsters. That was the early times of Twitter when they first started to kind of do a little bit of restrictions and censoring because when Twitter initially started, like at the very beginning, it was like just totally free speech, free everything, just say whatever you want, it's crazy. Um, and then they slowly started to kind of do some restrictions. But over time, people outside of Twitter began petitioning the company to manipulate speech. By 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team, the reply would come back handled. So the request would come from like the Biden team. This is like 2020. So yeah, bring your mind back to 2020. This is October, I believe, when this stuff was happening. The election is coming up very soon, literally like a month away in 2020. Biden is running for president, all this stuff. So bring your mind to that time. And this time when these conversations are happening is um, when the, well, first, let me just go back. Okay, so this is 2020. Then we'll get to the Hunter Biden October stuff. So like Biden administration, people would like email Twitter executives and people um, requesting, they would have like links. There's a uh, like pictures on the tweets that you can find this stuff, but they would like send an email. They would have links to various posts on Twitter and they would say stuff like, please review this, like basically to take this down, take these posts down, please. And then the Twitter people would just say, okay, got it handled. Like they took the tweets down. Um, celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party. So this is the key. Both parties had access to these tools. In 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. So both parties were able to contact Twitter and ask for them to take posts down. However, this system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts. Because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation, there were more channels, channels, <laughs> there were more channels, more ways to complain open to the left, the Democrats, than the right. And then attached to this tweet was a photo, um, and you can find it, I think I'll put it in the YouTube video, you can see it, but um, it was in thread one, number uh, tweet number 11, um, on December 2nd, 2022, Taibbi's tweet. Okay. So it shows like the financial contributions to Twitter by Democrats compared to the contributions by Republicans. And there's much more money um, that came from the Democrats. And they had the years 2018, 2020, 2022. Um, so yeah, so basically both parties could do this, but there was a lot more influence from the Democratic Party because of just contacts and that a lot of the Twitter employees um, were on the left. So anyway. So this is officially like the part one of the Twitter files. How and why Twitter blocked the Hunter Biden laptop story. 
On October 14th, 2020, the New York Post published Biden's secret emails, an expose based on the contents of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress this story, removing the links and posting warnings that may be unsafe. They even blocked its transmission via direct message, a tool um, that was previously reserved for extreme cases. White House spokeswoman Kaylee McEnany, McEnany was locked out of her Twitter account for tweeting about the story, prompting a furious letter from Trump campaign staffer Mike Hahn. So that was when it all started to happen when people were like, oh my God, we're just literally tweeting this story from the New York Post and our accounts are being taken down. Um, so then this Trump representative, Trump campaign staffer, emailed Twitter um, and was complaining about this. Like, why did you shut down her Twitter account? Please handle this. The election is literally a month away. Like, like all the stuff. So, um, this led Twitter public policy executive Caroline Strom to send out a query on the situation to Twitter's global escalations team, asking the team for clarification and to look into why there was censorship placed on the Hunter New York Post story. The response from the Twitter ops analyst of the global escalations team, this is all very detailed. Um, the response from the escalations team was that the user, McEnany, was bounced by site integrity for violating Twitter's hacked materials policy. Although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from the federal law enforcement that, sum that summer about possible foreign hacks, there's no evidence of any government involvement in this Twitter laptop situation. So the Twitter, what was happening when it all came out, the Twitter stuff was all done by Twitter. There wasn't government involved at the time telling people, censor this, censor this. Twitter was just running on this idea of what they were supposed to do. So the decision to suppress the story spreading on the platform was made at the highest levels of the company. One former employee characterized the decision by Twitter, quote, they just freelanced it. Hacking was the excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone realized that wasn't going to hold but no one had the guts to reverse it. There are some email exchanges within Twitter that I will put on the screen that <laughs> I was reading my notes and my video ended, the video stopped recording, which is weird. I hope it's not full. It's probably gonna say the SD card is full. Oh, okay. And I'm running out of time anyway, so we'll just get through as much of this as we can. Yeah, the SD card is full. Can you guys give me just a second while I change this? We can stay on recording. Oh, shoot. It's so weird that my card, as the card has gotten older, it like fills up faster. I don't know if that's legit or not. Like, I don't know, okay. Oh, whoops. We have like five minutes left of this. So I'll have to do in the next episode more on the Twitter files. But I think I talked a lot about the uh, economy, which I'm glad. Oh. oh my gosh. How is this card full? <gasps> okay, no more video, I don't think. 
I should just end it, shouldn't I? <laughs> I should just end this episode. I was on a roll though, talking. Okay, no more video. So let me just close this out. To anybody who's watching the actual YouTube video, I'm sorry, but what I can do is actually put these tweets literally on the screen <laughs> instead of a video of me. So real quick, let's go through a little bit more of this, then we'll be done. So, um, so this is a tweet or an email from the comms official, Trent Kennedy from Twitter. This was still the emails in between, like during the time when like, what the heck is happening? Why are we censoring this New York Post story? What's the plan? What are we saying we're doing this for? Everyone's asking questions. So Trenton Kennedy, the comms, maybe communications official, said, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this as unsafe. And I think the best explainable argument for this externally would be that we're waiting to understand if this story is the result of hacked materials, we'll face hard questions on this if we don't have some kind of solid reasoning for making the link as unsafe. So he's saying like, we got to come up with like the story here of why we would be marking this as an unsafe thing to spread on the platform. Um, okay, so one former employee said that by this point, everyone knew this was fucked. But the response in Twitter was kind of to like wait and hold off and see how everything develops. Because I guess they were they weren't really they didn't know what was going on. Um, but they knew like we need to not let this Biden story spread. Um, okay, an email from former trust and safety chief Yoel Roth said that the policy basis on is on hacked materials. Though, as discussed, this is an emerging situation where the facts remain unclear. Given the severe risk, the severe risk here and lessons of 2016, we're erring on the side of including a warning and preventing this content from being amplified. They decided to add a generic warning of spam, malware, and violations of Twitter rules to the New York Post story. So whenever you would see the link on Twitter, they'd put like a warning. Um... Then the former VP of Global Comms, Brandon Borman, asks, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? And former Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker advised, saying, I support the conclusion that we need more facts to assert, assess whether the materials were hacked. At this stage, however, it is reasonable for us to assume that they may have been hacked and that caution is warranted. There are some facts that indicate that the materials may have been hacked, while there are others indicating that the computer was either abandoned and or the owner, Hunter Biden, consented to allow the repair shop to assess it, access it, sorry, <laughs> mixing up my words, access it for at least some of the purpose, some purpose. We simply need more information. Okay. So I think... What time is it? Okay, we can keep going. Within a day, concerns started to form around this situation in the First, Amend First Amendment right to free speech. Twelve members of Congress from the House Judiciary Committee to Representative Judy Chu's office met together intel on Facebook, Twitter, and the New York Post story. Um, they met with a guy from this company called NetChoice. So um, 
they are all meeting to figure out like what is going on. Both Republicans and Democrats within the government were angry about the situation, talking about tech becoming too big and needing some kind of government interference. Um, so Carl M. Shabo, Shabo, something like that. He's an attorney um, in D.C. who is licensed to practice law before the U.S. Supreme Court. He's an expert in communications and internal policy and has been recognized as a tech titan in Washington. He's the vice president and general counsel of NetChoice. I Googled this to figure out who this guy was. He is the guy that met with, with the 12 House staffers on this situation. And he wrote to Twitter, this is the scandalous part. He wrote to Twitter that um, every Republican said, this is a tipping point. It's just too much. That like the social media is getting too crazy and too big. The Democrats, meanwhile, complained that the companies are inept. They let conservatives muddy the water and make the Biden campaign look corrupt, even though Biden is innocent. They linked this to Hillary Clinton's email scandal. She did nothing wrong, but because the press wouldn't let the story go, it became a scandal far out of proportion. In their mind, social media is doing the same thing. It doesn't moderate enough harmful content. So when it does, like it did yesterday with the Hunter Biden New York Post story thing, um, it becomes a story. Like it becomes a bigger deal when they only censor every once in a while. So if the companies moderated more, then conservatives wouldn't even think to use social media for disinformation, misinformation, or otherwise. The Democrats were in agreement. Social media needs to moderate more because they're corrupting democracy and making all truth relative. When pushed on how the government might insist on that while being consistent with the First Amendment, they demurred the First Amendment isn't absolute. So that is what these, there were like a couple, not all 12 of the representatives were the Democrats, but the Democrats that were there I don't remember what the number was, but there will be a tweet on the YouTube video, the screen. Um, they were saying this stuff, that the, the social media accounts don't censor enough. They don't moderate enough. So that's where I'll close it for now um, on Twitter files part one, because that's all that came out of the part one. But there are other parts that we will get into in the next couple of episodes. Um, so... Twitter files part two, I'll probably skip though, because that was um, just on Twitter shadow banning and especially shadow banning a lot of conservatives. So it's like really proven, uh, like you can see, like they shadow banned a lot of conservatives. Um, so you can go read the Twitter files part two if you would like, um, but that's not as interesting to me. Like, yeah, it's a problem. Any kind of like shadow banning is a problem to me, but like, I don't really need to look into that that much. But I think I'm going to read through part three and take some notes and then come back to you on that. Because I think that is when they start to talk about how the like FBI and stuff was coordinating with Twitter on a lot of this. So, yeah. Think of that what you will. And I just really want to make sure I mention like this isn't all like a political thing from me. Like I don't really – to me, like there's always – things going on between like left and right, like the political parties and like who's right and who's wrong and who's this and who's that and they're bad and they say we're bad, but like both parties think they're the good guys. So 
I, my thing is I want to make sure that I am aware and other people can be aware of any kind of like messy interference from our government and like the information we're given, like there's all this propaganda all the time and stuff like that. So that's why I'm talking about this. Cause like, I do think like there's definitely, there was a problem with people trying to censor conservatives and like shadow banning conservatives. Like that's clear. That's all in there. It was happening and that's wrong. But that's not even the main focus for me at the moment because that's a problem. But like that's stuff we all knew. And we all know that like a lot of the media is skewed a certain way. Like we know that. Um, but my big thing about this Twitter file stuff is like how much corruption is going on. You know? So that's what I wanted to talk about. Anyway, that's all. I got to go. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we'll talk some more on this stuff. Okay. Have a good day. Goodbye.